the uh, title in the bulletin, and I know some people watch my titles because, uh, well, sometimes they're amusing. Um, but I left a word out. I, I called this into Barb, and I, it, it's not all there, and I'm sorry. What I meant to say was, where did he go, George? Where did he go? Um, I was born in the first half of the 20th century. Um, yeah, that's a long time ago. And I grew up appreciating the talents of Mel Blanc. Does everybody know who Mel Blanc is? He's called a man of a thousand voices. He did the voices for um, Daffy Duck, the voice for um, Bugs Bunny. Hmm? Mel Blanc, yes. That's what I said. So, but he, he was very talented. And some of my understanding of things, you know, the, the Looney Tunes, they really shaped my <laughs> worldview for a long time. And that may explain a lot to you. But one of my favorite things, and why I, uh, it should have read, where did he go, George? Where did he go? There are these two big hound dogs, and they're fox hunting. And I, I, I wonder who came first. Um, um, what was the name of the book? No, um, no. I'm going with... Uh, Steinbeck, of Mice and Men, thank you. I don't know which came first, of Mice and Men or Mel Blanc's um, use of that, that kind of character where one guy's, he's, he's the smart guy and the other guy's like, which way did he go, George? Which way did he go? And <clears throat> I, I, I always picture that when I'm thinking of Jonah. Jonah. Which way did he go? God called Jonah, and it's interesting. In the book of Jonah, what do we see? God calls the city Nineveh. Every time he mentions the city of Nineveh, he says, calls it that great city, Nineveh. And this throws interpreters and commentators and people who write books about it into a tizzy. Because what does he mean by great? Does he just mean a large city? I mean, that's what great means at, at its root. Or does he mean great in some other way, through achievement or through... And since uh, Nineveh will become, as the capital of Assyria, will become one of Israel's worst enemies, I think it's probably about the fact that it is such a large city. But God says to Nona, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And what is really distressing is that next verse says, but Jonah arose 
to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Which way did he go, George? God said, you go there. And it would have been northwest direction that Jonah would have to go to get to Nineveh. And Joppa, where he went to find a boat, was southeast. Jonah lived in a little town called Gath Hefer. It was about halfway between the Sea of Galilee and the Mediterranean Ocean. And so to get to Joppa, he had to go southeast. Literally, literally, he starts his journey going in the exact opposite direction. God said, go there, and Jonah went there. It's amazing we have Jonah in the Bible. I mean, because he was disobedient at first. But what happened? Well, he gets, goes down, he gets in the boat, and he's not troubled about his decision. He feels rather comfortable. He thinks he's going to avoid having to go to Nineveh. And he's sleeping, and the storm hits, and the waves are crashing over the boat. It's so bad that they've already thrown all the cargo overside, and they're trying to figure out what is happening. Now, the sailors of the ancient world were very superstitious people, and so they start sacrificing to their gods, and uh, they're, they're all praying, and, and you know they said, hey, wait a minute, where's that guy? You know, the guy who bought passage. So they go down into the bottom of the boat, and there he was, sleeping. And I said, what is it? How can you be sleeping? He said, oh, I was tired. And so they say, who are you? How can you be sleeping? You know, what kind of man are you? Where do you come from? What's your people? And they ask him all these questions. And when he tells them, and I, I think this is very interesting, when he tells them that he is a worshiper of Jehovah, they get scared. Now, there were other sea gods. There were gods who were gods of the weather. Baal was one of the ones that you would call on if there was a bad storm. Um, he was a storm god. Poseidon or Neptune, he was one that you'd call upon if the waves and the, the cataracts and the wind were against you. But nothing was working, whether they're from Egyptian and were calling on their gods or whether some of them came from Syria or whether some of them came from the north, from what's now Turkey. Wherever they came from, they had tried everything. They'd called on all their native gods. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The, the Mummy with uh, Brendan Fraser. And there's that one character, and when the mummy finds him, he pulls out a necklace, and it's got a cross, and it's got a Buddhist symbol, and he just starts praying from all these different religions. And that's kind of how the ancient world did treat religions. Well, um, if my God's not going to answer, maybe someone else's God will. Because, you know, they're all the same, right? But when they hear that Jonah's God was Jehovah, and as he put it, he says, he's the one that made the sea and the dry land. 
they're afraid. He's not going to accept what we're going to do to buy off this attack. What do we have to do? And so he tells them, quite simply, throw me overboard. And what do the sailors do when he tells them, throw me overboard? Did you notice as we read? They rode harder. They weren't going to throw him overboard. They just got down and put, you know, and started pulling the oars. Still, no help. And so finally, in desperation, they throw Jonah into the water. And immediately, the sea gets calm. What do they do? Did you notice? Jonah said, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Notice that they're calling on the name of Jehovah. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. And then verse 16, Then the men feared Jehovah exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to Jehovah and took vows. You do know that every place in the Old Testament where you see the word Lord, and it's all capitals, that's where the name, the divine name, Jehovah. Well, Jehovah is just one way to pronounce what we don't know how to pronounce. But that's where the, the four letters that make up God's name occur in the Hebrew text. So they prayed to Jehovah. They prayed to Jonah's God and said, please, don't hold us guilty. And then when the seas calm, they sacrificed to Jehovah because they had become convinced that he is really the one who's in charge of all creation. So Jonah's first missionary success was in the wake of him taking a swim. Right? Right? So um, while he's in the ocean, and we're not going to look at chapter 2, chapter 2 is probably the, it's a poem, and it's probably one of the, one of the amazing poems of, in the Old Testament. But uh, it's all about Jonah's faith and his hope. You'd think that if you had been thrown overboard and swallowed by a big fish, that you would feel pretty bad. But the poem of Jonah is all about thanksgiving. Because Jonah saw that fish and the fact that he was still breathing as a miracle. And it was, because God had made it just for him. Some people say, was it a, some kind of whale? Was it a giant grouper? I don't know what it was. It may even have been a fish of a species that only ever had one member, the one that God made specifically for Jonah. It was Jonah's fish. But the fish took him back to the land 
and spit them out on the land. And, um, you know, what is the first thing you think Jonah did after he thanked the Lord when he got on dry land? I th think he went somewhere and figured out how to take a bath and uh, get all that fish goo off of him. But in chapter 4 is where we find Jonah finally gets down to doing what God told him to do. Or actually, in the middle of chapter 3, we see, let me read you. If you look at chapter 3, verse 5, so the people of Nineveh believed God. Jonah has gone through the city and for three days he's been preaching. And they proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published in the kingdom throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let a man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let every one of you turn from his way and from the violence that is in your hand. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? It says, who, who will know, who can know? that God may relent. Um, that's the Hebrew way of saying in the Old Testament, maybe. Who can know? I can't say. Who can know? But maybe. Maybe God will relent. And God did relent. And that made Jonah so angry. God, you told me to come here and say, Nineveh is going to be destroyed. And they repent. And he goes out and he sits across on a rise across from the city waiting to see, well, maybe God's going to fulfill his word. They can't keep this up. I doubt that they're going to last a day. They're going to all fail and then God will destroy them. And his anger festered as he sat there. And so... When God comes to him and says, is it right for you to be angry? He goes out and builds himself a, a little shelter. And he's sitting there and the hot wind's blowing off the desert. And he's watching the people. And he's waiting, watching the skies. Was that an earth tremor I felt? No. Um, when's God going to do something? And what does God do? He makes a plant grow. Well, at least it was shade. And he kind of enjoyed the shade. And then the next day, he made a worm. And the worm ate the plant. plant withered. And Jonah is miserable again. And then God says, is it right for you to be angry? Yes, it's right. I should be angry even, even unto death. Oh. You could almost hear, you know, see God roll his eyes, you know, figuratively speaking. What am I going to do with you, Jonah? Don't you get it? 
But see, Jonah did get it. And that's what he tells God. This is what I said was going to happen. I didn't want to go to Nineveh because I know that you're gracious and merciful, long-suffering and willing to forgive. That was what Jonah was afraid of, that the enemies of Israel would not be punished. And in less than 200 years, the descendant of the king that repented here in Jonah's time would come and take the entire northern kingdom away into captivity. But God gave them one last chance. I really believe that Jonah was God's last chance to Nineveh. We serve that kind of a God. We serve a God that not only make a fish to get Jonah to shore, but more importantly, we serve a God that cares for the lost that cares about those who don't understand, that haven't heard the gospel yet. And so that's why, whether it's through our support of missions or our prayer for missionaries, and I, I really appreciate all the people I know, how many of you have spent time praying specifically for each of our missionaries and even correspond with them and, and pray for things that you hear about that way. Um, our missionaries appreciate it, and we appreciate it. But that's what kind of God we serve. He's looking. We were talking in Sunday school today about the road uh, from Jericho to Jerusalem, and the alternate way to get from Galilee to Jerusalem is to take the Samaritan road. And um, Jesus met a woman outside of the city of Shechem one day. He had sat down to rest at a well and the, it was the heat of the day and the disciples had gone in to buy cheesesteaks and yeah, probably not. And they're buying lunch and he's talking, he starts talking to a woman who came out in the heat of the day when nobody else is at the well and she's drawing water. And he says to her, give me a drink. And she's dumbfounded because she says, how is it that you, who are a Jew, ask me, who, if you didn't notice, I'm a woman, and I'm also a Samaritan, to give you a drink? And then she started asking him questions. And that's when Jesus says, you know, the day is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will people worship God. But God is looking for those. And this is the really important part. He's looking for those who will worship him in spirit and truth. Our God of mercy is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and truth. And he wants us to fill those ranks as we share the gospel and see what he does in the lives of people. Because he is the kind of God who would rather save than destroy, just like the city of Nineveh. Let us be less like Jonah and more like Jesus, who keeps in mind God's plan to seek and to save what's lost. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, 
You are great in mercy and compassion. Your love works hand in hand with your justice. And to redeem those whom justice alone would condemn, you sent your son to pay their debt. Father, we thank you that our sins have been wiped out by what Jesus did on the cross. Help us to be less like Jonah, running away from the call to preach to the lost, to reach out to those who have yet to understand your mercy. Make us more like the disciples when Jesus sent them out, who came back excited at the things they saw. Lord, let us see your hand working in our lives, in the lives of the lost around us, to bring them to faith and new life. And so, Father, build your church, whether it's here at Woodland or anywhere in this world, we ask that you would build up your bride, prepare her for that day when we are going to see you. And Lord, we know that when we see our Savior, we're going to be like him. So we say, along with the Apostle John, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But until you do, make us faithful today and for the rest of our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.